The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? But do we have a podcast for you? Hello, everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire, Whiskey, and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Dead of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which I try to remember from week to week. Try being the operative word. Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. My sister is providing me updates. My niece is watching uh, Half-Blood Prince for the first time. Oh, snap. Yeah. So my niece is eight, and she's read the first three books, and my sister's sort of hesitant to let her read any further just because it gets a little dark and a little more violent. But she was like, you know what? She can handle the movies because originally she was, like, terrified of everything and didn't even, like, like, she hated Chamber Secrets because the snakes scared the crap out of her, but now, but now she gets to watch all of them and she's very excited. And her favorite character is Dumbledore because she's too young to know any better. And obviously this is the movie where he meets his demise. And so my sister's not sure how she's going to handle it. But she's apparently very unhappy that Snape is helping Malfoy. So there's that. Anyhow, so it's been a while since we've recorded. It's been like a good week, at least. Do you remember what happened? Unfortunately, I do not. <laughs> but what else is new? That is a good question. Um, so... Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Uh, So we saw the end of term where Remus saw his parents and they were like really not touchy-feely with him. Oh, yeah. Okay. There you go. See, I need to be reminded and then I get it. And I'm putting my head in a box. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Pull the box closer to you. That's what I do. Okay. Yeah, that's a good. Okay. Hello. (laughs) Guys, can you tell that Kat got her new recording box? I'm not in the closet anymore. About time. Yeah, but it was appropriate, but it was hard on the back. But anyways. But yes, yes. I do remember that. And they weren't very touchy-feely. And they, weren't they like shocked or something that she knew about his stuff? So I think Remus had told them that she knew. But like, they were really appreciative that he was nice to her and like treated her like a normal boy. And then... With Maya hugging him and, like, touching him a lot, his mom finally, like, gave him a hug and broke down. And Maya was like, damn, it's been a lot longer than just, you know, Christmas since he got a hug. It's probably been years. And then his dad just looked all angry. Yeah. And then it opened up on September 22nd, and we jumped into the beginning of their second year. And Remus did the change. 
and Maya went to help him recover as per usual. And then she saw a flicker of something that looked like an invisibility cloak and... And magic happened. <laughs> and Remus, Sirius, and Peter appeared and they got mad that Maya hadn't told them that Remus was a werewolf. Oh, yeah. And then she was like getting all mad and she like made them take the oath thing. And Peter was all like, why should I do that? And was being a little bit of a butt face about it. And then. God, do you pee enough? Jesus. Well, to be fair, I haven't drank enough of this one today. I usually drink almost the entire thing every day. She's staring at my brand new 70-ounce water bottle that I put little special lines on so I can tell how much I've drank. You know, they make bottles with lines already, you know. Uh Mm-hmm. But this one was a birthday present, so I put the lines on it myself. Well, whoever bought you that should have told me because I would have gotten you a magical sticker for that bottle. Well, it's got, like, ridgies on it. I don't think a sticker would work. Well, it would have been without ridgies. Well, I mean, the bottle has ridgies. So I don't know if there's a sticker that'll work with it. Probably not. But I created the most amazing sticker. No, you found sir. Well, I technically saw the picture on Instagram, and I made somebody at Etsy make the sticker, but... That's besides the point. It says, drink water, you beautiful yet capable dehydrated bitch. I got it for, I like it. I got it for Brianna because she's dehydrated, so she put it on her water bottle. <laughs> nice. For those of you who attended our live Zoom last weekend, you will know that Brianna is our wonderfully hippie friend who is the kindest soul who ever lived and is currently spending her time, now that she is unemployed due to the virus that shall not be named, she is spending all of her time making reusable cloth masks for all of the healthcare workers who don't have access to them. So, you know, if you need somebody to be thankful for in this very strange world, be thankful for people like Brianna. She's great. Now. I, I like what you did there. The virus that shall not be named. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, we had a ton of fun at our Zoom conversation last weekend. We're probably going to do it again. And when we do do it again, <laughs> doo-doo, I may or may not have bought this. Nice. What she is looking at is my Harry Potter Trivial Pursuit game. It is basically just a stack of cards with a whole lot of questions and a dice. Die. Die. Dice. Die. Which one's the multiple one? Die or dice? I have no idea. I think it's die. Single die. I'm not smart. I don't pretend to be. Anyway, I will roll the die. I'll ask the questions. People hit H for hand. And whoever goes first gets to answer the question. If they win, they get unmatched applause from internet strangers awe and adoration <gasps> and that is it i that is just all you get. got the best idea which is well you know how they do like Harry Potter trivia and stuff in bars and you like make teams and then you get prizes i wonder if there's a way where we could like 
do that eventually, but online, and then whoever wins, we, like, send them a sticker or something. Yeah. I was kind of thinking of doing that and then just, like, making everybody... Because we can't do teams unless you have somebody there with you. You just... Instead of holding up your name, you just hold up, you know, Luna's lion hat or something like that, whatever your team name is. Yeah. The Slither Puffs, the Huffin Puffs, the Huffle Buffs, <laughs> the Huff Huff Passes. Yeah. The Griffin Horrors. Yeah. We also need somebody to make our stickers and we need more artwork. Well, we have. We have a comp- we need more people to design more stickers. I have a group that makes them and they're fairly cheap. Well, comparatively. But Okay. Anyway. Story time. <laughs> Dead of time. Uh so we do have an author's note on chapter twenty six. Twenty six. We're on twenty six? I thought we were on twenty five. Nope, that's the one we just did last time. Hot diggity dog. Wow, wow. I was born in the 90s. I say hot diggity dog. (laughs) That's not like a 90s thing, but okay. Well, it was on cat dog. (sighs) Author's note. I think it's really funny that a few chapters ago, when Maya was mean to Peter on the Hogwarts Express, I had several readers feeling mild sympathy and saying, No, she should save him! And yet, Peter's hesitance to take a wizard's oath in the last chapter just did you all in. So many torches lit as you all band together to hunt down Wormtail in the past, present, and future. I love it. LOL. I almost said lol. (laughs) I keep forgetting you're not supposed- I pronounce it in my head as like lol. But I always forget that you're actually supposed to say LOL. Well, at least you're not one of those people who thinks it means lots of love. Oh, I hate those people. Yeah, but I love the fails, like, when people, like, post those texts from their mom, and it's like, oh, so-and-so died, LOL, and she's like, mom, that doesn't mean lots of love. No. No, please stop. Okay. (sighs) Chapter 26. Toujours pure. April 25th, 1973. It only took five days for Sirius's world to go to shit. He had not been eager. Oh, shit, wait. <laughs> April 25th, night. It only took two seconds for Claire's reading to go to crap. <laughs> oh, okay, Jesus. No, I just realized it was a really big time jump. So this is April 25th, 1973. So this is now the spring part of their second year. Because last we were reading was like September, so... Big jump. Oh, uh, update from my niece watching Half-Blood Prince. She is not enjoying all of the snogging. She's eight. She's eight. But she better enjoy that pincher part. (laughs) Anyway, so it looks like we're in the Easter holidays. April 25th, 1973. It only took five days for Sirius's world to go to shit. He had not been eager to return to Grimmauld Place for the holidays, but for the first time since he had been shipped off to Hogwarts, his parents were abnormally insistent that he come home. His father had suggested that he come back the summer before, and he had, only to have Walburgo lock up their flu network and restrict all use of owls, thus cutting him off from his friends in hopes that he would figure out his priorities in regards to his family. 
That, of course, had not worked in the slightest. So, when Sirius and Regulus arrived home in late April, he was prepared for a battle against his mother. A battle that had not come right away. While his parents prepared him and Regulus for the upcoming engagement party for Narcissa and her fiancé, Lucius Malfoy, the actual reason that he had been brought home for the holidays, Sirius thought of new ways to remind his family that he was nothing like them. His first night home, he charmed his standard green and silver bedspread and matching curtains to reflect his Gryffindor pride, changing them into deep crimson and brilliant gold. He had also taken the few photos he had of himself, Remus, James, and Peter, courtesy of Maya, along with some muggle posters he managed to procure and placed them on his wall with a modified permanent sticking charm. The photos had not triggered a reaction in his parents. The posters, on the other hand... What have you done? Walburgus screamed when she burst into his room to witness him on the bed, lazily flipping through a magazine as if he had not a care in the world. Sirius offered her an innocent look. What's that, mother? I haven't done anything. I'm just sitting here enjoying my lovely holiday with my delightful family, relaxing for a bit and reading. Do you know what a motorcycle is? He mused aloud as he returned his attention to the magazine. You ignorant and ungrateful child, what are those? She pointed to the canopy of Sirius's bed. He turned his attention towards the ceiling, following her shaking index finger, as though he were unaware anything was, in fact, on the canopy of his bed. Sirius smiled and turned slowly back to her. Why, dear mother, those appear to be large photographs of women in various degrees of dress. Or... Undress, depending on how you want to see it. Bikinis. He grinned as he relaxed back on his pillows to stare up, letting out a happy sigh. <sighs> Muggles come up with the best things ever. <laughs> he tried to rem- <laughs> one. Uh, so what do they call it in the wizarding world? Like, play witches or something? Oh no, I got no comfort. Max, this is your college fun, boy. Even though you're a dog and don't go to college, but. You want to say hi to your fans? Is that what you want? You know that people like you? Dude, he's been sticking to my side like gum recently. Huh. Boy's a goddamn barnacle. Huh. Shut up. Huh. She swore he would be punished for it, but Sirius was no longer afraid of the back of her hand. She could try to hit him all she liked, but he would never again back down. It was with the same cocky ego that Sirius entered Malfoy Manor, five feet behind his properly dressed family, while Burgo was in a finely made purple gown on the arms of his father in traditional, yet stylish, black dress robes with his long ebony hair tied back with a leather thong. Regulus, ever the doting son, held Walburga's other hand, dressed to match Orion perfectly. Sirius, however, strolled into the manor wearing black jeans, dragon-skin boots, and his hands in his pocket of his long, open robes. His hair was left messy and down, nearly hanging to his shoulders. Cygnus, Walburga smiled as they approached her youngest brother, who stood proudly beside Zabraxis Malfoy. A cookie-cutter version of Sirius's mother in appearance, his uncle, unsurprisingly, barely smiled in her presence. His scowling attention was all for Sirius. I see you are allowing the boy to dress himself these days. 
Are you suddenly destitute, sister? Have all of your house elves died, leaving him to his own devices? The boy has a name, Sirius muttered under his breath. Holberga ignored Sirius entirely, as well as any conversation pertaining to him. Narcissa is as lovely as ever. She will make a fine wife for your boy, Abraxas. She turned her attention back to Cygnus and sighed dramatically. Shame, of course, that you were forced to break tradition and marry your daughters off out of order. Any word yet on dear Andromeda? Who's Andromeda? Wasn't she that evil sister in Guardians no. of the Galaxy? Oh my god. <laughs> I hate you. Andromeda Black ran off and married a guy by the name of Ted Tonks. Okay. So that's Tonks's mother? Yes. Okay. And why why would the Blacks be upset about uh, Andromeda marrying Ted Tonks? Probably has something to do with certain families not liking a certain type of person slash people or something like that. Ted Tonks was a muggle-born. Okay. Yes. Anyway. Any word yet on dear Andromeda? Cygnus's jaw tightened and his nostrils flared. Still missing. Not that this isn't all fascinating, Sirius interrupted loudly, and all of the adults turned and gaped at him for speaking out of turn. But can a bloke get a drink? You ungrateful little, Cygnus began, but suddenly a hand fell on his shoulder silencing him. Let the boy be. How many of us were perfect little noblemen at thirteen? I'll get the little whelp out of your hair. Sirius grinned up at his uncle Alfred, who moved past both Cygnus and Walburga to put an arm around him. You dote on him too much, Alfred, Walburga scowled, but said nothing more. Alfred chuckled deeply as he watched, walked Sirius over to the bar, silently motioning to the house elf behind it with two fingers. Sirius memorized the movement when the house elf reappeared with two glasses of fire whiskey. He made eye contact with the creature, gestured with two fingers the same way his uncle did, and the elf sneered at him before walking to the other end of the bar. You're going to give them heart attacks, you know. Sirius snorted. The elves? Alfred gave him a look. Your parents. Sirius rolled his eyes. Well, that's the plan. I figured if I time it right, they'll all drop dead at once, and you and I can take over the family. We could flip a galleon for the vaults and properties, uncle, or duel to the death, leaving one victor standing. Do you think you could take me? Alfred genuinely laughed and slid one of the small glasses towards him. Here, boy, drink up. Grinning, Sirius looked down at the glass. Fire whiskey? You're first, Alfred asked, and Sirius nodded. A momentous occasion, then. What should we drink to? The sham of a marriage, Sirius suggested. Be careful, Sirius, Alfred quietly advised. Do not think yourself too untouchable. You know this is wrong, Sirius ground out, taking his first sip of fire whiskey, which burned going down. He coughed loudly, and Alfred patted him hard on the back. 
Sirius cleared his throat and let the warmth from the drink settle over him before he took a second hesitant sip that didn't burn as much. This is going to be miserable. Matches made this way are traditional. You do well to keep your opinions quiet on the matter. Your cousin will do what she's been raised to do. It is not in her nature to stir things up. Unlike yourself, I hear you're making quite a name for yourself at Hogwarts, you and that Potter boy. James, Sirius nodded. He's my best friend. Be careful, Alfred warned. Your parents have eyes everywhere. You won't be a boy much longer. That drink in your hand is the first of many, and once they realize you're approaching manhood, they'll be making more detailed plans for your future. What do you suggest? Sirius asked, feeling his stomach churn at the thought of letting his parents sell him off the way Cygnus was doing with Narcissa. Then again, it might have been just the fire whiskey. Go along with them? Force them uh, let them force me into a sham of a marriage like Sissa? Shit. I'm shocked they didn't have us marry each other. No, we live in a time now where the pure-blood families are trying to unite together. Our world is changing, Sirius, and we all need to make decisions on how we're going to adapt to it. Alfred tilted his drink back, finishing it off. If I go and make pleasantries with people I dislike for the sake of my family, will you promise to stay out of trouble? You want me to take an unbreakable vow? Sirius suggested with a smirk, and Alfred laughed. No, I think not. I rather enjoy having you around for situations like these. And something tells me you'd end up breaking that vow all too quickly. And then who would keep me company? He ruffled Sirius's hair before stepping away from the bar and making his rounds. Sirius would have been perfectly content to remain by the bar for the rest of the night, but his focus fell across a, bl a blur of blonde hair as Narcissa was pulled quickly from the large ballroom. Curious and concerned for the one cousin he had left that was not a complete disaster, Sirius slipped into the shadows of the hallway and followed after, eagerly listening for voices. When he came upon a door that had been slightly cracked open, he pressed his forehead against the frame and slowly opened the door just a bit to peer inside, only to find Narcissa and her intended husband face to face. All I said is that I thought it was an extreme reaction. Muggles have their own world that's separate from ours already. Why even bother to have thoughts of them? Narcissa asked coldly. Lucius turned on her, positively livid. You were not given to me to have opinions. I have not been given to you yet, Lucius. Do you think you can get out of this marriage? I would very much like to see you try. Our arrangement was sealed with blood. He closed her, uh, himself in on her, their noses nearly touching. Only death will separate us now, so straighten up your priorities on your own, or I will do it for you, he growled, and stormed towards the door. Sirius's eyes went wide and he ducked away into a nearby alcove just as Lucius burst through the door, moving quickly back towards the ballroom. Inside, Sirius could hear Narcissus sniffles. He opened the door slowly and took a deep breath before speaking. Sissa? She turned on him quickly, wiping the eye, uh, tears away from her face. Sirius, what are you doing back here? Get out! You're not really going to marry that fucking creep, are you? He asked incredulously. You're too young to understand, she scowled and made her way through the door, shoving past him. If you were smart, you'd know better than to question my marriage when I overheard your mother in the early stage of planning yours. 
Oh, fuck that, Sirius snarled. He would make sure no other nasty pureblood family would even consider him marrying any of their girls. Trailing after his cousin, he reached out and gently took her hand to stop her from running away from him. At her cold expression, his own softened. Sissa, do you need help? I said, leave it. She yanked her hand away from him and rushed back into the ballroom, where the entire crowd had fallen into complete silence. All eyes stared at the fireplace, where a dark-haired witch had recently stepped through. The green flames behind her had not yet died. Dromeda? Sirius gasped, eyes wide. You didn't think I'd miss my baby sister's engagement party, did you? Andromeda smirked at Narcissa and moved to embrace her, but swiftly the rest of the Black family, save for Alfred, Sirius, and Regulus, stepped in between the sisters. I see. I thought this might happen. She shrugged and flashed a small diamond ring at the crowd. I got married. Don't worry. I didn't expect any of you in attendance. You did not, Cygnus growled at his daughter. Tell me you didn't run off with that filthy muggle-born. Andromeda smiled almost sweetly as she cut him off. Why, yes, I did. He's a lovely man. And to think, I almost lost my chance to find real love and happiness. Get out, you blood traitor. You've brought shame, shame upon the house of black, Walburgus shrieked. Wait, Cygnus seethed, glaring at his daughter. Andromeda, I will give you one chance to fix this. Put an end to that marriage. He spat the word, and you can redeem yourself and your honor by letting me arrange a proper one for you. What pure blood man would take a girl who's been sullied by a mud blood? Walburgus screeched. I'll take her. Everyone turned to see a Braxis Malfoy staring ahead at Andromeda, who instantly looked nauseated. My own wife died some years ago, and I've been looking for a replacement. I have my heir in Lucius, but... He scanned her with cold, lecherous eyes. A man has needs. Yeah, major vomit point, right? Yeah. Sorry to break hearts, then, Andromeda said coolly not breaking her server from the elder Malfoy until he sneered at her in disgust. I didn't just come for my sister. I came to see you, father. She stepped forward and reached into the pocket of her robes, pulling out what looked to be a small photo. She suddenly appeared nervous as she held it out to the man who took it and instantly froze, his face paling. I've named her Nymphadora. Crucio! The shout came from behind, and Andromeda fell to the ground, screaming. Sirius looked up to see his eldest cousin Bellatrix standing beside her new husband, the elder of the Lestrange brothers, both glaring down at Andromeda, who was seizing in the middle of the ballroom. Stop! Sirius shouted and rushed forward, only to be held back by his collar, uh, by Alfred, who raised his wand. Bellatrix, Alfred snapped. This is completely unnecessary. Father! Bellatrix turned and looked at Cygnus as though waiting for permission to either continue or request to let Andromeda go. Cygnus glared down at the photo in his hands and shook his head. Uncle! Sirius shouted, trying to somehow plead for Andromeda's life. Leave her, Cygnus growled. She is no longer my daughter. Shove the blood traitor through the flue and never let me look upon her again. 
He turned his gaze away from Andromeda and looked immediately to Walburga. You should take it to heart what has happened here. It is one thing for me to lose a daughter, but another for our house to lose its proper heir. All glaring eyes suddenly fell on Sirius as he stood, shaking with rage. Muggle, please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, man. Why you gotta be a racist? Yeah. Why can't you be like, uh... What's his face in Downton Abbey and accept that Lady Sybil likes the chauffeur? Oh, God, Lord Grantham. Yeah. Ugh, God. He was a great TV dad. Yes, he was. He's like top ten easy. Oh, yeah. The mom is good too, Cora. Yeah. Especially since she was like the token American. <laughs> Hell yeah. I feel, I would have struggled to not talk with an accent. Yeah. Just because I mimic. And I feel really bad because I always feel like I'm insulting people. But like if I talk to somebody, I start to mimic their accent. And if it's like English or Australian, it's one thing. If it's Hispanic, I'm like, oh God, I look like an asshole. Well, actually probably to the English and the Australians as well. But anybody with an accent, all of a sudden I sound like them. Eastern European. German. Not Asian, mainly because I can't do their accents as well. But So, I guess meeting Jimmy's mom for the first time was fun for you. Well, she doesn't really have, like, a strong Hispanic accent. She has more of a New Jersey accent, which Jimmy makes fun of me every once in a while. Like, when we're hanging out outside or something, I'm like, come on now. And Jimmy's like, come on now. I'm like, it, I didn't say it like that. And he's like, I didn't say it like that. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> and of course, the more he makes fun of the more Southern I get. Or like, uh, I'll say, hey, can I get a coffee? And he's like, a coffee? You want a coffee? And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I didn't butcher it that bad. <laughs> but. Hey, that's funny. It sounds like you're saying quaff like in Harry Potter. It's the quaffle. So if you had a coffee shop, it's a quaffee. <laughs> Never mind. It made more sense in my head. <sighs> I do not like the cone of shape. <laughs> Forget it. Nobody cares. I'm going to stop talking now. Okay, uh, quiz question for all of our fans. Uh, my niece wants to know if the disappearing cabinet was destroyed in one of the first three books. Uh, the one at Borgen and Burks because... Whoosh! Crap. Annabeth, bleep out her name. Um, can we do that? Do we have a bleep? Whoosh! Whoosh! Anyway. My niece is convinced that the disappearing cabinet was destroyed in one of the first three books. Vanishing cabinet. Vanishing cabinet, yeah. They're calling it the disappearing cabinet, but that's fine. My sister's a muggle. It's cool. No, no, she's... What is it, a half-blood? When you've only seen the... When you've only... I think it's... Muggle-born, if you've only seen the movies. Half-blood, if you've only read the books. And No. 
Half-Bloods if you've read the books and seen the movies, and then Pure Blood is you've only read the books. So, I think. But anyway, Disappearing Cabinet. Was it destroyed in one of the first three books? My niece is convinced. She's read them more recently than I have, so she's probably right. Anyway. I was going to say, didn't she read them, so shouldn't she know? But I guess it's so much, it's like, whoa. Well, she she would probably know better than I have. I don't remember the last time I read the whole series. It's been a while. I remember the last time I did. Oh, wait, I didn't. (laughs) My sister's giving her point. She's like, she picked up on this quick. She's answering her dad's questions. (laughs) It's cute. See, she's going to be one of those people that, like, when she gets older and she can listen to this, she's going to be, because she's met me, she's going to be like, you didn't figure this out, like, day one. (laughs) I'm going to be like, shut up. Dear niece of mine, eldest niece of mine, because I do have two nieces, uh, you're not allowed to listen to this until you're at least 17, 18. And uh, if you're listening to this and you're not either of those ages, turn it off. Otherwise, I'm going to get in trouble with your mom. Thanks. And if I'm still alive by the time you listen to this, don't be too hard on me that I didn't get major plot points until the day we finish this podcast. (laughs) Make her feel bad. Make her feel very bad. (laughs) Oh, Lord. All right. April 30th, 1973. When Sirius and Regulus stepped off of the Hogwarts Express in Hogsmeade after their return, it only took a few minutes before the brothers collided with violent intent on both parts. Sirius had not intended to clash against his younger brother that day, but when he and his friends stepped off the train to spot Lily Evans arguing with Snape near the 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 hopeless carriages, horseless carriages, (laughs) there was bound to be drama between Gryffindor and Slytherins. Lily looked hurt when Snape gestured back towards the train where a group of his housemates stood waiting for him. The Carrow twins were flanked by two older Slytherins, Evan Rosier and Titus Wilkes, and off to the side, the little, uh, off to the side of the little posse was Regulus. Side, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Snape sighed when he returned to his friends, looking defeated as he avoided eye contact with his fellow snakes. Sirius thought the defeated look on his face was kind of funny until he overheard the conversation. Wilkes narrowed his eyes. Are you done playing house with your little mudblood Snape? Snape did not respond, but looked properly admonished. Sirius, triggered by the horrible word, immediately went into a frenzy. What the hell did you call her? James followed suit and moved to stand in Wilkes' face. Remus, who stood just as tall as the others, immediately flanked him, pushing Rosier out of the way. Wilkes grinned smugly. What? My the, my text messages pop up on my computer, and apparently somebody is on Apple reading our reviews, and I'm like, great. <laughs> uh. <sighs> I'm going to hear about this. Uh-huh. Anyway, Wilkes grinned smugly. I called the little ginger bitch a mudblood. What's it to you, Potter? Sirius turned towards Snape, growling as he shouted. She's supposed to be your fucking friend, you bloody coward. You're gonna stand up for her, snivelous? Why would he? 
Amicus glared at Sirius, even as Snape remained silent. Severus knows better. He might only be a half-blood, but his blood is still too rich for the likes of her. Isn't that it, Potter? Amicus asked, turning towards James, eager to dirty up your house. The Potters are already filthy, Regulus said, stepping forward. Already wearing his pressed Slytherin robes with his hair neatly pulled back, he looked the absolute opposite of Sirius, regardless of the color of their hair and eyes. Hanging around with this blood traitor. Thinking of Andromeda screaming on the floor as Bellatrix cursed her while Narcissa, along with the rest of the family, looked on, Sirius snapped and punched Regulus right in the face, feeling a crunch beneath his knuckles. It was the worst fight since he had started Hogwarts. Five students total ended up in the infirmary. Regulus, Peter, Snape, and Amicus were all treated for broken noses, and James fractured his collarbone. Remus was the only one to get by with nothing but a few scrapes, and he stuck around the hospital wing long enough for Madame Pomfrey to get frustrated with Sirius and send him away. Remus was charged with escorting him to the common room, as Sirius stubbornly refused to be treated for his black eyes, split lip, and a burn on his neck from a wayward hex that he swore up and down he would get Snape back for. Jeez. Getting faster. Yeah, it kind of seems like, uh, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say more violent, but it's more, I guess it's more intense when boys fight when you have wands that create magic. <laughs> hey, so when boys whip their wands out, things get intense? <sighs> that is not what I meant, but yes. Wow. Yes. It does. I mean, can you imagine you're just, like, getting really frustrated and then you have your wand in your head and you're just like, <laughs> you're a doo-doo head! And then all of a sudden their head just turns into a pile of crap. It's like... <laughs> that sucks. Sorry, I I caught the tail end of that, but when you're frustrated and you get your wand in your hand, I, I lost it. <sighs> Guys, we've been on quarantine for, like, three weeks. I'm just... Oh my god. All of the dick jokes. All of the dick jokes. Chandler. Chandler Bing. One Yemen road, Yemen. <laughs> I guess I'm going to Yemen. <laughs> I can't tickets. sell for 10 tickets. Well, I'm going to Yemen. <laughs> I'm going to stand right here until the plane takes off. <laughs> okay. For those of you who are not aware, we're quoting friends. That's going to go on the blog. Oh, crap. Now I'm calling it a vlog. It's not actually a vlog. It's the website where I post the blog posts and I post. I'm also super behind on that. I'm sorry, guys. It will be updated eventually. <laughs> I'm fired. Hey, Claire, you want to know a secret? Huh? You have another person on this podcast, and, you know, I can do things, too, because I really don't have anything to do. Okay, good. Go listen to all of our episodes and jot down all the videos and jokes we talk about so we can upload them. <laughs> yeah, because my IRB form is probably going to be submitted tomorrow, so I have three to four weeks of doing absolutely nothing, so I, I need something to do. I can, we can do that. Oh! <gasps> <laughs> What just happened? He's like, 
like, people really do feel some type of way. And I'm like, yeah, but they could suck it because people do love us. And he's like, I believe it. If you want me to leave comments to other people, I'll gladly do it. And he's like, if y'all had a message board, I'd gladly troll assholes on it all the time for you. <laughs> That's a good man, ladies and gentlemen. That is a good man. And I can say ladies and gentlemen, because we have guy listeners. We have one join us. It was so much fun. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. <sighs> that actually might be kind of fun, but anyway. I don't know what to say to that. Anyway. Very, no, dead of time. Dead of time. Maya was worried. Sitting in the common room, biting her nails, she expectantly kept her eyes trained on the door. None of the boys had taken the carriages back to the castle from the Hogsmeade station, and the Gryffindor table had been filmed with... Filmed. Jesus Christ. Hold on. <laughs> I'm not drinking bubbly water this time. It's just naturally occurring. I'm gassy. Get over it. Uh, you're like, um... What's her... The ant when she blows up. That's, that's the gas. Marge! <laughs> Don't you let go? Sorry. <laughs> Classic. Anyway. The Gryffindor table had been filled with rumors of a fight that had broken out between several of their own and some Slytherins. After some prying, she discovered that most had ended up in the infirmary, but that they would all be well enough for class. Still, she waited on the sofa, staring at the door as though she could will at least one of them to walk through it to give her some reassurance that they were all fine. She hoped it would be Remus. He had begun pulling away from her since the first full moon of their second year. She had not been aware if James, Sirius, and Peter had told him they knew his secret, or if the wizard's oath she made uh, the bo three boys take, including... In bleh, bleh, bleh. Fuck! Jesus! Claire's hamster is having a problem. <sighs> oh, I almost said something. I'm really glad I didn't say it, but... Ooh, look at you being all weeks. grown up and holding back. I'm trying. Or, if the wizard's oath she made the three boys take included Remus in their secrecy. Either way, no one mentioned it to her again. When she arrived at the hospital wing the following month to be with Remus, Madame Pomfrey sadly sent her back to the Gryffindor common room, letting her know that Remus had requested he be left alone. Each month during the week of the full moon, Remus retreated into himself, ignoring anything she said or did to bring up his health or condition. She tried multiple times to talk to him, pleading with him to let her help. On a good day, he would explain, Please, Maya, stop waiting for me. It makes the walk back to the hospital wing that much harder. On the days after the full moon, if she asked how he was feeling, he would completely ignore her and leave the room if possible. She knew better than to bring it up in the days leading up to the full moon. Remus was downright volatile. More than once, she saw him stare at her in a predator stalking his prey way that both terrified and excited her. Eventually, James intervened. Yes, Maya, we've talked to Remus about his condition. It's complicated. Can you just, I don't know, pretend that you don't know he's a werewolf? What? Maya asked, shocked by the request. How can I just... Why? Her brother sighed. It's personal. Look, 
I know you're one of his best friends, but you're a girl and he can't handle you as his caretaker anymore. Oh, I forgot to do this, but we were in the past and now we're back in the future. There you are, Maya shouted, pulling away from her heavy thoughts as she watched Remus help Sirius through the portrait hole. It was late, and she had heard that most of the boys were staying the night in the infirmary. All the other Gryffindors had gone to bed, but Maya had waited up, hoping for news about what had happened. Hey, kitten, Sirius winced as Remus dropped him on the sofa. I've got some pain relief potion in my trunk upstairs if you want it, Remus offered. Sirius shook his head. Maya frowned and sat down next to him on the couch to look at his face. Sirius, what happened? Without answering her, Sirius tilted forward and slowly lowered his head into her lap. No, no, you need to get fixed up. Didn't you go to the hospital room with the others? He refused to let Madame Pomfrey touch him, Remus said irritably. We stuck around to make sure James and Pete were fine, and then I was told to get him back to the tower before he bled all over the infirmary. Maya can heal me, Sirius mumbled, closing his eyes and wrapping an arm around her waist. Maya turned to look at Remus, who watched the scene with a sad smile, as though he were remembering how good it was, uh, how good it felt when it was him that she took care of and healed. When he noticed her staring at him, Maya could see him put his barriers back up. I'm going to bed. You need anything up the stairs, Sirius? Sirius shook his head. Good here. Remus offered her a small smile. Good night, Mia, Maya. Back. <laughs> That's my Bad fault. Claire. Fucking Mia Thermopolis. Yep. Amelia Mionette Thermopolis Rinaldi, Princess of Genovia. Yeah. Now I got that out of my system. Isn't there going to be a third movie at some point? Yes, I heard about that. I'm super excited for it. Honestly, if you haven't read the Princess Diary books and you liked the movies, read the books. Unfreaking believable. So much better. Like, the movies were really good and I like them in their own way, but the books were really, really, really different. Especially, like, the whole second book, like, doesn't happen. But, um, you need to read them. I'll audiobook it. Oh my god. No, 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 Because, like, Mia and Michael break up, and she's, like, super fucked up about it. And, like, has to get dragged to therapy wearing sweatpants that she hasn't changed out of for, like, a week. And she cries, and she's literally wearing a comforter, and she gets dragged to therapy. And then slowly through therapy, she gets better. And after, like, a year, oh my god. Oh, yes, because I, I really want to read something that I've lived through. That That's great, Claire. <laughs> yeah, but let's do that. Yeah, I'm better now, but I'm just going to revert back and read about myself. I'll ruin the story. She gets back with Michael because, like, come on, let's face it. We all knew that was going to happen. It had to. It's the book. But it works out in the end. But, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. So I guess my dad is right. I am a Russian princess. Even though it's not cool uh-huh. to be Russian right now. But anyways. Yeah. No. Yeah, but my concern is, is that who's going to direct this? Because Christopher Columbus didn't, he directed that movie, right? The first two. Did he? I'm going to look that up.
No, it was Gary Marshall. My bad. But he died. So who's going to direct the third one? Sorry, I was thinking Christopher Columbus because I was watching something the other day. Okay. I'm pretty sure his name's just Chris Columbus. He is not the man who, quote unquote, discovered America in 1492, which is bullshit. Yeah, well, 99.9% of Christopher's are Chris's at some point. Christopher. Because the hotel is where the hoes go. Where the fuck did that come from? Um, somebody, who I'm not going to name because she listens to this, and I don't know how she would feel about me saying her name, who lives in Miami, her fiancé works at a hotel, and she's currently not staying at home because since the some of the guests there are still there, unfortunately, and are quarantined in the hotel, so he is one of the guys that has to be there and is on call, so they've been staying at the hotel five days a week and not at their house, and I told her how somebody that I know pretty much lives at his job and visits his house, <laughs> and I said, but it does have the word home in it, and she's like, yeah, but hotel only has the hoe, and I said, yeah, because that's where the hoes go. <laughs> Because they don't go to the motel, they go to the hotel. She thought that was hotel, hilarious. Hotel, motel, holiday. Mr. Mr. Worldwide. Look, I just wrote a Pitbull song. It was that easy. Do we have to pay for that? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're from the 305 area code. Oh. Dude, I love when people pick up on that. Like, if they see my phone number and they're like, wait, 305. I, I literally had somebody I worked with go, like the Pitbull song? And I was like, yes. <laughs> like the Pitbull song. Uh, Thank the you. Pitbull song. Oh my god. Uh, fun fact. Do you know what the area code is for Cape Canaveral? No. What's important about Cape Canaveral? Space camp. Rockets. It's where the Kennedy Space Center is. Okay. Where they used to launch the space shuttles. Yeah, I've never been there. Like the Discovery. Yeah, okay. Well, Space Camp was baller, and I feel bad for everybody who didn't get to go. Um, The area code for the place where they launch a whole lot of shuttles is 321. (laughs) (laughs) They they lobbied for that real hard. 321. It makes me happy. Blast off! Yeah, it's pretty cute. That does sound adorable. Oh, shit. Okay, guys, important moment. So, keeping in mind, my niece has watched... She is now currently watching movie six. She has only read through book three. So, they're watching the uh, scene where Slughorn finally gives the real memory... And, uh, my sister goes, OMG, lots of, or lots of exclamation points. We're watching the scene where Professor blank, Slughorn, finally reveals the true memory. And Tom Riddle is asking about the Horcrux spelling, question mark. And my niece says, just like the journal. This child just figured out that the diary was the first Horcrux the minute she watched the movie. How freaking smart is this? I am so freaking proud of her. Also, why the fuck is she in Hufflepuff and not in Ravenclaw? I'm very hurt she's in your house and not mine. 
Yeah, and she's not even related to me, and I'm the one who got her stop crying as a baby, so what does that yeah, say? Yeah, well. <laughs> My sister goes, so basically well, you your know niece what? is a Harry Potter prodigy. Yeah, but it's like, kids her age these days are doing things that we weren't doing at eight. Like, at eight, we were just sitting around picking our noses. These kids are changing the world. It's annoying. I mean, it's not annoying, Ugh. but it's annoying because it makes us feel like... What are we doing with our lives? Yeah, she watches like, uh, God, what is it? Science Channel Junior or something. And she was like, do you know how a turbine engine works? And I was like, do you? And she explained it and she does. And I was like, (laughs) oh, okay. I feel less smart now. Thanks. Oh, yeah. No, no. This child... There may or may not be a special uh, STEM school that she can go to starting in middle school, and uh, she wants to go. So, anyway, dead of time. So, Sirius is saying that Maya can heal him, and Remus is going up to bed. Um, Remus offered her a small smile. Good night, Maya. Or, sorry. Good night, Maya. She could only smile sadly in return. Once Remus was gone, she tilted Sirius's head to look up at her. The soft curves he, that he had when they first met in Diagon Alley had given way to the sharp angles that he would carry with him for the rest of his life. There, in her lap, with his long, dark hair tucked behind his ears, his face covered with evidence of a physical brawl, she could immediately recognize the older Sirius buried behind the stare of a teenager as he snuggled her. What happened? she murmured. Alice and I were helping Frank get his trunk from the train. When I looked back, the rest of you were being restrained along with the Slytherins. Snape's a bloody git, Sirius grumbled, reaching up and grabbing her hand, putting it on his hair like usual. She frowned, but stroked her fingers through his hair regardless. What did he say this time? Nothing. Not a thing. Wilkes called Lily a you-know-what. And Snivellus just stood there. Didn't even defend her. And she thinks that James is a tow rag while that greasy git parades around acting like her friend. So you punched him for it? He shook his head. No, I punched Reg. Why did you hit your little brother? She asked, eyes wide. Serious, he's eleven. I don't give a shit. He's a little prick, just like the rest of my family. He pulled away from her, something that he had never willingly done before. There was a lost look in his eyes as he returned his gaze into the fireplace ahead of him. Come here, Sirius. Maya took her wand and muttered a healing spell for the swelling on his eye. She moved his collar to look at the injury she could see peeking up from beneath the fabric. I've got some dittany upstairs if you want me to fix your lip and the burn on your shoulder. Sirius's hand touched her, lacing their fingers together. Can you just stay with me? He asked, not making eye contact. Let the thing scar. She closed her eyes and inhaled deeply, trying to imagine she was back home in 1998. It was something she rarely did these days, wished to go home. James, Sirius, and Remus had made it easy for her to do what future Remus's letter instructed. Live your life, enjoy your life. Her boys made it a simple thing to do just that, But lately, with Remus pulling away from her and Sirius constantly getting into fights, 
She was reminded that these boys would grow up to become the wounded men she had known for years. She could see the beginnings of serious breaking, and it broke her heart to know his future and not be able to stop it. She missed Sirius. Her Sirius. For a moment, she could pretend that the boy holding her hand innocently in the Gryffindor common room was the man who, kissed, who had kissed her passionately in the caved-in passageway. She could pretend that it was the day after her 19th birthday, and that she was home at number 12, sitting on the sofa in the drawing room, holding Sirius's hand. They would talk about the life-debt ritual, and he would explain to her what he knew about the bond that had happened because of it. She would ask him why he had kissed her in the middle of the battle, and, if she were very, very lucky, he would say it was because he wanted to, not because of magic. Maya opened her eyes and looked over at the 13-year-old boy sitting next to her, nervously licking the cut in his lip as he stared off into the flames, deep in thought. Sometimes, this Sirius was easier to deal with. She didn't feel much of a magical bond with him, just an itchy emptiness that tugged needily inside of her, which brought both annoyance and relief at the same time. Annoyance, because she knew he would grow up to be that beautiful man who had kissed her until her toes curled. Relief, because he was safe, without a mystical bond to pull him toward her, Maya could trust that this Sirius did, said and did what he really wanted to. He was honest. What happened with your family when you and Regulus were gone? Lost in his own thoughts, Sirius shook his head and leant against her as visions of Malfoy Manor and Narcissa's engagement party ran through his head. Bellatrix had tortured her own sister with the Cruciatus Curse, and no one had done a thing about it save for him and Alfred. Even then, they had not made much of a difference. Andromeda had been blasted off the tree the moment they got home, and Walburgum made him watch her do it. Then, at one point, and with a blood quill in hand, he had been forced to write the words of his house, toujours pieux, repeatedly, toujours, toujours pieux. I think I'm saying that right. I hope we have French listeners. Je parle un peu. But my French is terrible. Terrible. <laughs> that's the hardest part about French. It's like you talk in the back of your throat. Like that's that's the great thing about French, though. It's like there's a whole lot of letters you don't pronounce half of them. Like toujours, it's je is j o u r s je. Bitch, you could spell that like j u h je. Pretty sure I just insulted all of France. Well, English isn't that easy and either, Quebec. so. Oh, no, no. The English is far and away one of the hardest languages to learn. It's bullshit. Not as hard as Chinese. We don't have, like, tonal shit. Actually, yeah, we do. We have tonal. Yeah, but it's also, but. like, the spelling of stuff. It's like, really? Whose idea was that? And the fact that some things are spelled exactly the same and mean completely different things. Yeah. When I say the word bat... What do you think? Well. Bat. Most likely the animal, because you tend to say bat crap crazy a lot, so I usually go to the animal, not the baseball. Baseball bat? But also, bat your eyelashes. Yeah. And also, let's not even go into the, uh... Read and read, spelled the same way. Um, 
the fact that Sean Bean should be pronounced either Sean Bean or Sean Bon, but no, 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 it is pronounced Sean Bean. That makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And this has been yet another linguistic adventure with Cat and Or it's like how people that are Sheen, is it Sheen or Sean? Because it's S-E-A-N, but then some people go S-H-A-W-N. Well, that's Sean. That is always Sean. Nope, 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 nope. It is always Sean. Always pronounced Sean. The S-H-A-W-N is how the non-Irish spell it. Because they can't get down with the Gaelic. Or Gaelic, depending on who you talk to. So you've never, so you've never met an S-E-A-N that's Sheen. No. Okay, I have. Really? Yeah. Good God, they're butchering our names. Well, it was really funny. Oh, I did meet a Seamus James. And all of our Irish fans are laughing right now. Do you know what Seamus translates to, roughly? Nah. James. They named their child James James. Wow. James James. <laughs> James James! Gus Gus. <laughs> it's like naming your kid Ivan John. It's John John. <laughs> Dead of time. Yeah. So we're getting a recap of what happened during Narcissus' wedding party, engagement party, whatever. Um, By the way, what does that French word mean? Oh, so that's actually one of the reasons why I paused, not just to pronounce toujours pure, but so. I think it is always pure, but now I'm second guessing myself and I'm just going to Google translate it. Um, oops. Do, 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 Google translate. Do, 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 do. It's from our internet correspondent, Google. <laughs> Coming in with translation. Yeah, okay, I was right. It is always pure. So, um, clearly reference to their blood status and blood status preferences. Um, so yeah, so that is the Black family motto. And what is the Potter family motto? Courage oh. and craft. Okay, yeah, I remember that. I think it's anime astute or something like that. I, I used to take Latin. I don't fucking remember any of it, except that Terra means Earth. <laughs> anyway. So because we took such a long delay, I don't know how much of that will stay in, because hopefully Hannah Beth has cut the majority of it. But, just in case she hasn't, Sirius still is sitting next to Maya. Remus has gone off to bed. They're kind of talking. She asks what happened to his family. He's saying it's typical drama. Don't worry about it. Oh, wait. I hadn't actually read that part yet. Whoops. But... Um, he had been forced to write the uh, words of his house to Jarpier repeatedly with a blood pen, similar to what Harry used to write, we must not tell lies. Um, uh, the wound had only just healed and he was happy to see it had not left a permanent scar. Just a bunch of typical drama, he lied. Nothing to worry about, love. I'm fine. Serious? Please don't hide things from me. It's just pure blood shit, Maya. My parents are apparently getting ready to plan out my whole future, wife and all. He laughed. 
dryly, and then smiled when he felt her growl in response to the news. Don't worry. If they set up an arranged marriage, I'll just elope with James. That'll teach him. I'm sorry about your family. Can we not talk about them anymore? Sirius asked, cuddling back into her side. Is there anything I can do to make you feel better? Sirius tilted his head up and winked at her. Anything? Wow, wow. What are you, Owen Wilson? <laughs> wow. 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 No, not my dog. My dog yawns like Owen Wilson. It's great. Uh, Sirius tilted his head up and winked at her. Anything? She rolled her eyes in reply. Well, since apparently my ideas are off the table. How many ideas do you have? She asked, looking scandalized. About you, kitten? He gave a teasing grin. About 643. Maya laughed, but still shoved him. Get off of my lap, immediately. Sirius gripped his arms around her waist tightly, refusing to be pried away from her. No, it's my lap. I'll behave. You don't know how. Then join me and start misbehaving. Fine. He let go and sat up quickly, looking at her with wide eyes. What? Not that. Maya rolled her eyes. I mean, I figured out how to cheer you up. You say Regulus has been a prat? Prick. I said prick, Sirius clarified. Whatever. How would you like it if I helped you prank your brother? Sirius felt himself light up like a Christmas tree. She wanted to prank with him. She wanted to prank his brother. He very briefly wondered if he could figure out how to transfigure diamonds for her. Really? She shrugged, suddenly looking nervous. Maybe just once. But you said you hated pranks. You told me and James we were childish and immature because we made Rickard Stebbins' hair vanish. He grinned at the memory. Because you had a childish reason, she defended. And you yelled at me and Peter for charming Snivellus's shoes to quack when he walked. Sirius added. Quack, 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 quack. Damn, there's some people I could have done that to in high school. <laughs> Cat's nodding and looking like very serious right now. That was stupid. He just changed his shoes. You should have put a sticking charm on them, she said under her breath, clearly not realizing she had spoken aloud when her eyes widened and she looked at him, covering her mouth. But it was too late. Sirius heard. You want to prank with us! Maya, I'm so happy. Just once, she reiterated firmly, and only because I think Regulus deserves it. End chapter. You wanted to know what the prank was, didn't you? Yeah! <laughs> Do you not remember? Shia said this. She always le leaves on a really good line or a cliffhanger. Yeah, like 99.9% .9 of the shows yeah, I yeah. watch. And that shit from... I almost said Shia rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> shit, what's her actual name? Shonda. 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 There it is. Anyway, what are you thinking? Well, I like that we're getting some adult sprinkles in there, even though they're still children. But, yes, don't salt bay. Yes, I was doing the salt bay. They can't hear that. 
Well, it's getting interesting. So, niece finished the new Harry Potter, or new to her, Harry Potter movie, Half-Blood Prince, and apparently did not cry when Dumbledore died, but made fun of her mom when she cried. So, there's that. Yes. I'm fine with it. I approve. I'm so proud. She figured out what horcruxes are without even really understanding. She actually guessed the first horcrux. So proud. So proud. Anyway, um, we were doing so well on this episode, staying focused, and then at the end we just really veered off. So we're almost in an hour and a half now. So we're going to go ahead and I believe it is time to thank our Patreons. We do have a new fox, and that is Miss Chelsea mm, McCallick? McCallick? I'm not sure. Let us know how to pronounce your name, Chelsea. And then I believe we already thanked our newest dog, Elizabeth, but just in case, I'd like to say thank you. And now on to our wolfy, wolfy wolves. Nope, not wolves. Foxes. Jesus. Bad Claire. Bad Claire. We'd like to thank our foxes. We're going to thank Rachel, Jackie, Krista, Kelly, Rebecca, Carissa, Ashley Murray, Audrey, Olivia, Edgila, Ashley Thurman, Brittany, Claire, Jillian, Elise, Martina, Therese, Amanda, Sarah, Samantha, Miranda, Sophie, and Ashley Anstrom. Thanks, guys. We love everything you do. As per usual, um, by the time this airs, we will have charged our new patrons. So you will have your stuff processed within the next two weeks. And then it will be sent down to Kat. Kat will sign it. We will wear gloves and hand sanitizer. Not that either of us were social to begin with, so we should all be fine. But we will be very careful and not spread germs from Tennessee to Florida to wherever it is you live. But I don't know what the mailman does. Oh my god, we have two fans from Lufkin, Texas. What's the chances of that? Sorry, I just noticed. Where the crap is I don't know, but it was two people run right after the other, and both of their things said Lufkin, Texas. So that's exciting. We have a lot of people in Texas. (gasps) We have another one in Orlando that I didn't know about. I knew about the one that we have that's our friend. Then we've got Brazil, and we've got a place called Beaver Creek. That sounds fun. Got Australia, got New Jersey, we got Norway. So excited. Oh, and then UK somewhere. Yes. Okay. Cool. Love you guys. We're international. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, if any of you are able to be charitable, in case you didn't see it, but I guess the mischief management company that puts on the leaky con and like a ton of other nerd conventions if you will they apparently are being affected by this and they're doing a thing where if you pay like 25 bucks you get a 30 dollar gift card to spend at the next convention Hell you go yeah. to and they're doing like different amounts. So it's like if you do 50, you get 60. If you do 100, you get 120. If you do 250, you get 325. And if you do 500, you get 650. I think we need to allocate some of our so, money to that because hopefully this whole mess will be cleared up by the end of July. I'm hoping. Because yeah. I they do, do pictures. like a lot. I want to do pictures with Shane. Yeah, so do and I. And Goyle. 
and Luna. Her pa- her picture package yeah. wasn't up yet, but they had one up for Seamus, Victor Crumb, and Goyle. And like I don't even care about getting yeah, so. an autograph at this point. I just want a picture of me hugging Seamus Finnegan because I love him. Yeah, so if you want to support them, if you can, I found it on LeakyCon's Instagram, and I'm sure that they have it other places, and the Mischief Management Place also has their own media, so if you can, I would do it, because they do LeakyCon, Broadway, Con, which who knew that was a thing, Con of Thrones, which I think is a hilarious (laughs) name, and Podcast Con, which who knew that existed, but yeah, if you can, do it. Good shout out, Kat, good shout out. Also, if you find yourself with a lot of free time, uh, go ahead and follow the Wireless Collective. Wizarding Wireless Collective? Or is it? Yeah, it's the Wizarding Wireless Collective on Twitter. And I think the Facebook page is only for other podcasts. But it is a group of us who all have Harry Potter-based podcasts. Uh, House of Black is on there. It was created by Fanatical Fix and Where to Find Them. And you can find a number of other Harry Potter fix, Goblet of Wine. Um, if you actually look at any of our hashtag Follow Friday tweets or hashtag FF, it'll have a whole bunch of other Harry Potter podcasts to listen to if you get tired of listening to our voices. Which we hope you don't. Yes, because that would be sad. But... Oh, I just got a text message that said, after 26 episodes, I think new merch should have, so, dead of time on it. It's a thing! We did it! Yeah, yes. it should. It should. We made it a thing! Yeah. That was actually kind of a goal, so I'm glad it worked. But, anyway. We love you all. Yeah. We appreciate you. And I'd also like to make this clear, because we've seen a couple people who have removed their pledges for right now, or people who have reduced. We get it. If that is something that you need to do, please, you're not going to hurt our feelings. We understand this is a time in the world that money can be kind of tight. So if you need to jump down, if you need to stop giving altogether, we totally understand. We love having you and we will continue to do some stuff that will involve everybody like those Zoom conferences. And uh, yeah, we like connecting with you guys regardless of how we do it and regardless of whether or not you contribute. The contributions do help but we understand what's going on right now. So we love you guys a lot and we will see you next time. We understand that the muggle struggle is real, but we can make magic happen and we will see you next fire whiskey Friday. Don't let the muggles keep you down. Nope. And snuggle them hard. Snuggle that muggle. Yeah. I was about to hang up instead of hitting stop on the record. (laughs) 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 Oh, that was almost a snort of my own. Oh, that was bad. Anyway. Love you guys. Mean it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. 
Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.